You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. And today I want to talk about David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan, it's a friendship that is one of the greatest that we read about in the scripture. All of us love having great friends, and I think they're one of the most critical pieces to being successful in the call of God on our lives. And so I want to hone in on that today. The text that we're going to look at is 1 Samuel chapter 23. Uh, This text is beautiful, and it describes Jonathan being a great friend to David. And you could go lots of angles, but today I want to talk specifically about the friendship, not just between Jonathan and David, but specifically how good of a friend Jonathan was toward David. And I believe that if you want to accomplish the purpose of of God on your life, you need great friends. And so uh, I want to read this text and we'll dive into it today. Verse 15, while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, everybody say Ziph just because I think that's a funny word. Uh, He learned that Saul had come out to take his life. All right, so that's a nice way of saying Saul was trying to kill him. And Saul's son, Jonathan, so Saul is king, Jonathan the prince, went to David in the desert of Ziph. Went to David at Horesh, and here's the phrase, helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. Father, we love you today. We ask that your word would come alive in our hearts. We pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice. Holy Spirit, speak to us about our specific lives, how we can apply the scriptures We ask, Lord, that we would be great friends, that we would demonstrate here at Radiant Church what it looks like to be a friend. We honor you and we love you. And everybody said amen. Amen. I want you to imagine in your mind, like a feed on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on Twitter, your friends, people in your life that are your Jonathans, people in your life that are close to you. And chances are that when you picture it, there's a good feeling. Most people can more quickly identify their friends than they can a sermon that changed their life. They can name five friends before five sermons, five books, five philosophical ideas, even five movies. Like there, we care about friendships, relationships. And what makes a great friend is when you have like passion. When there's something that's alive inside of you or you're passionate about, and I'm passionate about it too. C.S. Lewis said that it's that moment where you look at at someone and say, what, you too? It's that moment where you go, not the band, but where you go, you also? Like, (laughs) what? Oh, yeah, still haven't found. No, but it's that moment where you go, you have that passion like I do. Yeah, ah. And so some people, the like passion is golf. And some people, the like passion might be weightlifting like me. Or Or it might be basketball or it might be whatever it is. All right, but here's the idea. It's that, it's there's something that when you get with them, what unites us, it's not just that we have a commitment to a friendship, but there's something that we both care about. That's what makes great friendship. And we see it in the life of David because David has this incredible friendship with Jonathan and they have quite a few things that are like passions. When we read in 1 Samuel 14, it's a moment where, where, where Jonathan goes and he fights a battle with his armor bearer. And it's a battle where, honestly, he's ready to take on a whole army. And he looks at his armor bearer and he says, let's go. 
God is with us. And it's the famous one that the armor bearer looks back and says to him, I am with you, heart and soul. That's a different sermon. But man, they go and they attack. And Jonathan is this victorious warrior. And Jonathan is son of Saul. He's grown up in the palace. Well, David too is a great warrior. And so David is the most legendary warrior in Israel. And so David is the one who has defeated Goliath. And David is the one that looked at Goliath. And when everybody else said it can't be done, David said, but God. And David was actually the one that went and attacked. And everybody knows David's a great warrior. And then David actually goes out with an army and he starts gaining victories in addition to the battle against Goliath. And so as David is looking toward becoming king one day, he's the anointed one to be the next king. He's been playing his instrument in the palace Jonathan lives in the palace. They're both warriors. They're, 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 they both got a relationship with King Saul. They both have had great victory. They both have said, God is with us. We can go. Let's go fight the battles. And these two, I mean, skilled warriors become close friends. And we read about in 1 Samuel 20 where they actually become even closer when Saul wants to kill David. And Jonathan helps David escape the palace. And instead of staying loyal to his father, who's actually not really one you wanna be loyal to because he ends up trying to kill Jonathan. So Jonathan recognizes that Saul is going crazy and Jonathan helps David escape. So now David not only has a like passion in those other areas, but now they both have this dynamic of Saul's thrown spears at both of them. And they both, one is... One is a father-in-law to Saul, and one is Saul's my real dad. And it's like, they've got a lot in common. And Jonathan looks at David, and he says, I'm going to help you get away. And there's this great story where Jonathan helps David escape the palace. And when we pick up in this text in 1 Samuel 23, it's a moment where years later, David has left the palace. And in 1 Samuel 23, he's living in this cave and it's this moment in the desert, the desert of Ziph, where our, all of a sudden Saul has this army and he's trying to kill David. And you can imagine if you're David and you're living in Israel, it's the land where you're supposed to be the next king, you're anointed to be the next king. And Saul has his whole army trying to kill you, not out fighting the Philistines right now. He's focused on killing you. The king is focused on killing you with his army in your nation there's a good chance you're gonna die. And so here's David. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I think that David is probably fairly discouraged. Or all of a sudden, maybe you've been there and David thinks, I, I shouldn't be in the wilderness. I should be in the palace. What's the story, God? God, I shouldn't be hunted like an animal. I should be honored like a prince and one day a king. God, I killed Goliath. God, I served Saul. God, all I'm doing is being obedient to what you said. My best friends shouldn't be these wilderness men. My best friends should be the royal men in the palace. I should just be playing music, not out here killing animals to eat. Ah, I should have a different life. All I've done is ever obey. Oh, that's what I've been. That's what I've done. And now I find myself in a season where for years I'm living I mean, like a wild man going cave to cave with the king of Israel trying to kill me. This is not comfort. This is not enjoyable. All I've done is be obedient to God and I find myself in the wilderness. 
And God, surely after you anointed me, it shouldn't have taken this long. Why am I in the wilderness so long? Where are the friends that I want? Why is Saul trying to kill me? Why can't he just like me? Why can't life just be a little bit easier? Ever been there? Ever been in the moment where you're thinking, I just... I'm just disappointed in how things turned out. And though God may have a destiny on my life, it sure isn't going the way that I would have done it. It sure isn't going the way that I would have liked it. The relationships aren't quite what I want. The time in the wilderness seems far too long. And the greatness of this text is here's Jonathan. And Jonathan is living in the palace And Jonathan leaves the palace to go find his friend, David, which I think is an incredible story because it speaks of a friend that was willing to leave what was comfortable to go speak life into his friend. And so it was 30 miles for him to go find David, 30 miles. So it was intentional and it was sacrificial. It wasn't wasn't what it takes today. Today, you can encourage a friend like, what's up? Like a quick text right? Today, this is, I mean, it's, it's fairly easy to communicate. David's out in the wilderness. Jonathan leaves the palace, goes to the cave. He goes to him. He finds him. And then my favorite part of this text is it says that Jonathan helped David find strength in God. So we live in a culture today where it's easy for us just to look at people in the way that we would want to encourage and just look at them and say, you the man, you awesome. But that's very different than Christian camaraderie. Because in our day, it's easy just to buy into kind of Americanism, which is humanism and looking at people and telling them they're great and just say, hey, I have the tiger, baby. You got this. You the man, you can do it. But that's different than Jonathan saying, David, look to God. Look to God. A great friend is not one that just tells you you're great. It's one that helps you look at the great God. It's the one that helps you fix your eyes on him. If you tell them they're great, it might help them for 24 hours. If you help them look to God, you help them for life. So this is Jonathan finding David sacrificially going into the wilderness and finding him and saying, hey, Jonathan, hey, David, Jonathan says, I'm gonna help you find strength in God. And then there's the, the, the response right here. If you're David, man, it's, it's, it's that moment where you're like, well, but this isn't how I thought. But this, I want to look to God, but it's not quite like I expected. And one of my favorites is where Jonathan looks at him and he walks to him. He finds him. It's sacrificial. He helps him look to God. And then he looks at him and he says, hey speaks to him of his destiny. Hey, you're the king. You're the future king. And for Jonathan to say, I will be second to you. He's in the lineage of Saul. He should be the next king, but instead he's gonna step aside for his friend because he knows this is God's plan. That's a great friend. It's a great friend that doesn't just use you to get what they want. A great friend cares about the call of God on your life, even when it's sacrificial to them even if it costs them something. Jonathan is this amazing friend. And I want you to just think today about who are the people in your life? Who are the ones that God is calling you to be a Jonathan to? The temptation is to think, hey, where are my friends? Somebody find me. 
Somebody be my friend, but here's the deal. You gotta be a friend before you'll ever have a friend. And so be a Jonathan, just don't hope that Jonathans will come to you. And so I want to invite you to think this way. I wanna invite you to think, all right, who are the ones? Who are the people that God has for me to be, sacrificially go help them? Proverbs says this, uh, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And there are some of you today that you just gotta believe that proverb. Like you're not sure that friends like that even exist, but Solomon here in Proverbs says otherwise, it is possible to have great friends that stick closer to you than a brother. It is possible to have friends that will come and find you and help you look to God, help you. And this phrase right here where he says, it helped him find strength in God. He just helped him look to God. I had a, got a text yesterday from John Egan. Just help me find strength in God because he's talking about God talk. Not David talk, not David Perkins. Hey, you're great. It was, hey, look to God, look to God, look to God. Your best friend, your best friend is the one who helps you find strength in God. Not necessarily the one that tells you you're awesome. The fellowship of the burning heart is the way A.W. Tozer talks about it. And it's the one that helps you look to God. Nah, I like the friends that, you know, just tell me I'm awesome. That's short-lived. What's really awesome is you get around them and they're just helping you look to God. That's why I'm honestly, one of my favorite people to talk to in the whole wide world is my dad. My dad at 72 years old, when I talk to him, it is constantly this, let's, let's look to God, let's look to God. And by the time I'm done, I've got a wisdom hangover because I'm just like, ooh, like, God, yeah, yeah. It's not about, it's not about cars and, and cafeterias and, and pulpits. It's, it's about God. It's about God, what are you doing? That's what a great friend does. A great friend sacrificially leaves the palace, leaves what's comfortable, foregoes their own comfort, cares about your future, looks and helps you look to God. And parents, this is what we're constantly doing with our children. You live as a perpetual Jonathan because our kids are so tempted to get their eyes down and believe a lie. And what we do is we look at them and we say, hey, look to me, look at me, look, 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 look. Lock eyes with me. Hey, what does God say? Ah, uh, what? No, 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 come here. Get your eyes on God. And then this is what Jonathan does to David in this moment. Hey, David, you're gonna be king. Here's, you can imagine what's going on with, with David. David's like, he can't see like we see. Like we're reading it and it's a text and we know the story and we've already heard a sermon series on this and we've already read the Bible. We, we can look at it, hindsight, we know it. But in the midst of the cave, in the midst of the wilderness, David's just going, life didn't turn out quite like I thought. David's just going, I can't believe this. This is not at all what I expected. And you've got Jonathan that comes in here and he starts telling him who he is. Let me tell you about your destiny. No, 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 all I see is what's temporary. No, 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 I want you to see your destiny. No, all I see is what's going on. All I can see is my circumstance. And Jonathan is saying, no, look to you. Look, look this is who you are and you define it. This is what I do with my kids, right? It's my job, parents. It's my job to look at my kid, be a Jonathan and look at him sacrificially. And everybody said, amen. Sacrificially go to them. Help them fix their eyes on God, all right? Fix your, and then tell them who they are. Just declare it. I love the way it says in 1 Timothy 6, 11, Paul looks at Timothy and he says, but you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, flee immorality. 
So I just love that text. And so when I had a, a son, Dawson, I just, I just love the way Paul identified Timothy as man of God. It doesn't say, but you, oh, Timothy. It says, but you, oh, man of God. So I just put that up in my vernacular when he was little. I was like, but hey, man of God, when I get home, hey, man of God, buckle up, man of God. Hey, eat your, eat your spaghetti, man of God. Let's go, man of God. So that what I'm doing is I'm, I'm helping him see this is your destiny. This is who you are. So when he's three years old, you say, Dawson, he doesn't even know his own name. He says, Dawson, come here. Dawson, come here. Not, Dawson, come here. Hey, man of God. What's up, dad? What's up? Yeah. What? Here's the idea. It's, I, I want you to see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and then I'm going to help you look to God. And then you feel like you're this. You feel like you're that. And everybody's speaking lies to you. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you you've got a destiny. That, that's a great friend. A great friend is someone who's willing to look at you and declare that. And you live and I live in a me first culture. And for us to be Jonathans that are willing to, at our own cost, step aside and say, I'm willing to let you rise. Let me do whatever I can to help you. That's foreign. And in our culture, that's weird because we live in a me first culture where you use people to get ahead. But in the kingdom, it's the opposite. In the kingdom, you're trying to get down and get low to help other people rise. So in the kingdom, you're not just a servant, you're a friend. And you're saying, all right, you're my friend. I want to help the call of God on your life. It's my passion to help you become what God wants you to be. Let me tell you this. You become that for a few people, you'll never have a shortage of friends. You sacrificially lay down your life and God reciprocates it, blesses you, and you go, all these people like me. Yeah, you've been laying down your life for them. You've been leaving the palace. You've been leaving Starbucks. You've been leaving comfort, leaving whatever is comfortable for you, finding them, sacrificially laying your life down, helping other people accomplish the destiny or the calling on their lives. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you'll be shocked by the amount of people that go, hey, man, I like you. Man, how can I help you? That's my dream for us is that we would gather in these small groups and that we would be great friends, that there would be Christian camaraderie. And I love the idea that we gather around some passions. That's why in our small group structure, we're like, hey, gather together with some brothers and go running if you like to run. Gather together and whatever you do. I mean, if you wanna have a small group where you sing, then sing, do, do your thing. But what's right at the core, even above golf or above music or above working out, all those things are great and you do those things together, but right at the core, it's Jesus is our passion. And so we're, we're, we're gathering in these little groups and we're looking at each other and, and the temptation is to be like, oh, I don't know life's hard and I don't know about my destiny and seems like my brother did this to me and it seems like my friend, it seems like my job's never gonna work out, seems like the money ain't there, seems like and you need a Jonathan says, shut up. <laughs> Listen to me. What, where is God at work? Let's talk about the activity of God. Oh, come on, don't be so spiritual. No, 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 I am spiritual. I'm your brother. I'm your friend. Okay, what, 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 let's look to God. What, what did God say about that? <sighs> I just feel like I'm in the wilderness. You are. It's okay. Now, what does God say? Well, I haven't really thought about it. Okay, that's a problem. All right, let's focus on that. All right. Okay, now, 
Lift your eyes. Get your eyes up on God. Uh, okay, okay. All right. All right, now, let me, you're Jonathan, let me tell you who you are. You've got a destiny. Me? Yeah, you. Couldn't be. Then who? You! You've got a destiny. Yeah, but I feel like it's never gonna... You're annoying me. You have a calling. There's a call on your life. That's what a friend does. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best in you. And the best in you is the, I have decided that Jesus is worth it. And your culture says, no, he's not. You're worth it. Live for self. Live for comfort. Live for now. And Jesus says, live for eternity. And you need some brothers. You need some sisters in your life that look at you and say, hey, I'm going to sacrificially get up early and meet you at the 5 a.m. Starbucks, and we're going to sit around, and then we're going to talk about God. And then there are some small groups where there's even every day, every day, some small groups where they're praying for each other over the phone. Like, like Jonathan had to take 30 miles of horseback being protected, trying not to get hurt by thieves, 30 miles. Today is like, Send, done. What's up? Helping each other look to God. And I'm just telling you, let's not mock that technology. Let's use it. Turn your iPhone into an encouragement machine. I mean, just help people. Help them. Point them to Jesus. Just, man, I mean, I like the way Allie Rogers did. I've seen her. I've seen her on Instagram. It's like, she, Allie started a small group for uh, junior high girls. It had a, a, eight girls in it until she just started like on face-to-face encouragement all over social media. Hey girl, what's that? right? And love you. Meet me right here at the ch- at church. I'll sit, sit with me. Hey, can I pray for you? Boom, 20 girls showing up at Starbucks. You want to know why? <clears throat> Jonathan, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my life down. Man, I got a good-looking husband named Dylan, and I got a dog, and I got Netflix. I could do something else. But I'm going to lay my life down, and I'm going to help some people. Ah, uh, yeah, but Allie, I just feel like, you know, life's hard at 14, and nothing. And Allie's going, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. What does God say? Huh? Let me tell you who you are. You're a woman of God. I am? Yeah. You got a destiny on your life. I do? Yeah. That's what friendship is. The right people lead me to the right habits. The right people lead me to the right actions. That's the friendships that you want. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest secrets to being a successful woman of God or man of God, to being a successful leader, to being a successful parent, is get those people around you. Sometimes we reciprocate and say, well, no one ever helped me out. Okay, well, I'm helping you out right now. Be it. Be a Jonathan. Find one, two, three people that you you have decided. And here's the reality. I understand. You've had friends that have let you down. Okay, can I be honest with you? Most people have. Most people thought, I'm going to lay my life down for this person And they were an Absalom, who was David's son, that hurt him. Or they were 
A Saul, who was a father figure, didn't come through, try to hurt him. You'll have some Absaloms, you'll have some Sauls, but if you'll be faithful, there will be some Jonathans. There will be some people in your life that go, man, I'll make a covenant with you and I will show kindness to you. I love the moment where in 2 Samuel 9, after Jonathan is gone and David is king, David says, is there anyone else I can show kindness for the sake of my friend Jonathan? And Jonathan's gone. He dies on the battlefield. And there's this cripple guy named Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Second Samuel 9, David brings him into the house, the palace. And that's the phrase. He says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for the sake of my friend, Jonathan? And he goes out and he finds this crippled man, Jonathan's boy. Jonathan's gone. And the great king looks at him. Mephibosheth looks at him and says, who, who am I? He actually, in the text, he says, who am I that you would come find me? I'm but a dead dog in the presence of the king. He's gone, me? Because in that age, a new king would get rid of the old lineage so that there was no threat to be king. And so undoubtedly Mephibosheth thought, he's after me. David wants me dead so that I'm not a threat. But David takes the crippled Mephibosheth and I love the text because he looks at him and he says, Mephibosheth, hey, I know you don't know me, but I knew your daddy. He was my friend. He showed kindness to me. He helped me fix my eyes on God in my darkest day. And I'm going to show kindness to you. And he says, you know what? I know you're a cripple, and so you think you're going to be a beggar. You're not. You're going to sit at the king's table all your days. What? Who am I? I'm but a dead dog in the presence of the king. No. You're Jonathan's boy. Jonathan showed me kindness, and I just can't stop showing kindness to the friend who showed me kindness. Friends, as you step in and become Jonathan's, serve sacrificially. And you can't be a Jonathan to everybody, but you can be a Jonathan to somebody. You can't have hundreds of people that you live this way, but you can have a few. You can have a few tight comrades where you're like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to help you look to God. And you, you're going to know what it means to have a friend that helps you. And my prayer is that those kind of bands, those kind of comrades, those kinds of friendships rise up all in our church. Every single one of us, we need a Jonathan. We're, we're in our wilderness season and we're tempted to live for me. What you do in the wilderness in America in 2018 is you just live for me. You know what? Hey, I know religion. That's the phrase. I know, I know, the, I know the Bible stuff. I, I got it. I got it in my head. And because I have it in my head and I'm disappointed with the way that some of my life has turned out, I'm going to go ahead, keep the knowledge. But in my heart, I'm going to just kind of live at a distance from fulfilling my destiny. And you need a Jonathan that comes into the wilderness, shakes you up and says,
them feel that way. It's not about your feelings, let me tell you. God has said it. This is what God says about your life. I love telling it to my kids this way. Uh, I was watching The Lion King with my kids one time, and, and there was this moment where I found one of the characters to become kind of a, I mean, it made me cry. I'll just leave it at that, which is awkward when your four-year-old girl's like, Daddy, are you crying at Lion King? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm, what's wrong, Daddy? What's wrong? I'm not, I'm not physically injured. Well, why, would you, why would you cry? I was just, that happened. And, uh, <laughs> but it's this moment where you've got Simba, and he's got a destiny, right? He's got this destiny to be king, and so he's excited. They've already held him up. They've, he's already sang the song, I just can't wait to be king. Pa, 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 pa. I got a future, I got a destiny, right? And then Scar lies to him. And so once he believes the lie, you killed your father. He believes the lie. And then all of a sudden, his demeanor and life changes. And he's like, forget it. I'm gonna live for me. Whatever will be, akuna matata. Hey, I'm tired of caring. I'm just, I don't care. <sighs> And by the way, now I got two loser friends, and they're my friends now, right? <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa, right? Messed up people, right? Just dog, whatever they are, mere bobcat, I don't know, mere cat, whatever. Like, and they're like, he's like, well, I got this destiny back at Pride Rock. And they're like, hey, no, 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 hang with us, hang with us. This is Akuna Matata, right? Like, just chill. And so Akuna Matata, and then he kind of grows up in the wilderness, Right? The moment that made me cry was the moment where that crazy witch doctor monkey comes out of nowhere. Right? And he sees the lion who should be helping them defeat Whoopi Goldberg and the other hyenas, right? <laughs> and they're getting annihilated by them. If I say something wrong, just delete it from the podcast. And my favorite moment is where that witch doctor monkey Rafiki, he looks at little Simba and he just starts beating him on that. Bam, bam, bam. Right? And he looks at him and he's got, he's like psycho. And he says, remember who you are. You know, it's that weird moment. And here's why I love that moment. Because in that moment, Simba switches. You Mufasa's boy. I am? Oh, yeah. You're Mufasa's boy. And all of a sudden, it's like, that's right. It's not just about me. Man, I got, I got a destiny back at Pride Rock. There's, there's, there's people. Well, not in this case. There's animals <laughs> that need me. And honestly, the enemy lies to you all the time. And it's easy to take that lie and believe it's just about me. I'm going to go ahead and just buy a motorhome, live down by the river, take care of me. God goes, no, no, no. called to know God called to find freedom man discover I got a destiny I've been anointed I've been called God's got a call on my life so I'm ready to make a difference I'm ready to I'm ready to fulfill my destiny back at Pride Rock I'm ready to go I, I'm, I'm a king I'm a queen I am called 
the best ways you'll fulfill it. <laughs> if you live with Puma and Timon, you will fail. But if you got a Rafiki in your face over a $5 latte, hey, Who does God say that you are? Yeah, but I don't feel, shut up. What does God say about your life? I, 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 I don't know, but God, God, yeah, God, come on. You got a calling, you got a destiny. You're gonna be king. All right, okay, all right. And it's because of a great man named Jonathan, that David, I'm not gonna give up today. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.